following is part of the teaching ministry of Harvest Bible Chapel in Barrie, Ontario. We believe firmly in proclaiming the authority of God's Word without apology. Book of James. Ready to go? Were you waiting for something else? You all got so quiet there for a second. Um, James chapter 3 is uh, where we're picking up in our series, um, uh, The No-Nonsense Guide to the Extraordinary Christian Life. And I want to tell you, um, flat out, do not want to preach this message. Our determination, in fact, (laughs) you're great. Close in prayer right now, Todd. I'm fine with not being pressed to the wall today. It's fantastic. We have this determination, this kind of value as a church where we are like verse by verse, pick a book of the Bible, move through it verse by verse, don't skip any of the hard parts. And that means that regularly we actually come to passages that you would rather I not preach and I would rather not preach. And this is one that I would rather not preach. Uh, But there they are. We finished chapter 2, we got to move to chapter 3, and here's some pretty difficult verses. And the real reason why I'm kind of loath to preach these ones is that it's all about talking. It's all about words, it's about the tongue. And from a certain perspective, that's how I make my living. This is my job. And right off the top... James says in this passage, we'll read the whole thing in a moment. He said, not many of you should become teachers. And why does he say that? Because you who become teachers and preachers incur a stricter judgment. To be honest with you, I'm pretty okay with the standard judgment. You know what I'm saying? How many people for the standard judgment, right? And and if you're a preacher or a teacher, harvest kids, small groups, youth men, wherever. See why I don't want to preach this? It's pretty heavy. I mean, this is a passage that slams preachers and teachers of God's word against the wall. And so you get to today sit quietly and listen while I kind of work out in front of you some of my deepest sin issues. I, I get to navigate around this and you get to watch. And I'm okay if you're entertained by that. If I were sitting where you are and you were up here, I'd be entertained. But actually, not so fast. While centering out teachers, James also makes it clear that this passage is for anyone who ever opens their mouth to ever say anything. Turn to the person beside you and say, this message is for you. So I would hope, I would hope. Do you have fun with that? (laughs) Ridiculous. So I would hope that you're not thinking so much of the preacher's weaknesses today. And that you wouldn't think so much of those things that you would miss your own weaknesses when it comes to the words that you speak. This message is for you too. And the all but impossible goal that we're laying out in front of all of us today is this. If you're a Christ follower, you ought not to sin with your words. If you are a Christ follower, see why I'm saying it's an all but impossible goal? If you're a Christ follower, you ought not to sin with your words. James pulls no punches in this passage. I'm going to read it right now. 
And we are going to need some prayer afterward. James 3.1. Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. For we all stumble in many ways. And if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he's a perfect man, able also to bridle his whole body. But if we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. Look at the ships also. Though they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are guided by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot directs. So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird of reptile and sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With it, we bless our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives, or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. All right, let's pray. Our God, we, uh, we so need you uh, to show us what needs to change in us today, though I would suspect that it's probably going to be pretty obvious to us. God, we know that in our words there's so much potential for good as well as destruction. And God, I would help you in these moments to preach your word clearly so that we can um, understand and live out these truths more fully. Help us to be, in every way, the uncommon community that you have set before us as our goal. God, that you would receive the glory for how we conduct ourselves in this life. These things we pray in the name of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. All right. If you're a Christ follower, you ought not to sin with your words. That's clear? Let's get started with this. The fact is, you do have a mouth. Everybody's got a mouth, correct? Yeah? Test it out right now. Just say, right. 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 We all got a mouth. And uh, generally speaking, not a good thing. Not a good thing. Uh, James' assumption right out of the gate in this passage is that when we speak, it causes problems. He starts with a warning to those who speak most often in the church. When he says, not many of you should become teachers, you know that we, he's including himself as he writes this, we, not you, Not just him, everyone, everyone who teaches will be judged with a greater strictness. And then he says in verse 2, 4, and I love this, and please underline this. We all stumble in many ways. And, And if you want, having underlined or highlighted that, just write in your margins, grace for one another. That's what we need as we kind of go into this, is that we understand that, that, that none of us is exempt from the scrutiny of God on our lives. And he draws all of his readers in. This is a universal problem, one that affects the church in a significant way because we spend so much time together. And the more time we spend together, 
the more opportunity we give ourselves to mess it up with our words. We're here together. And you had opportunity to converse with people in the hallways, in the lobby before you came in here. Or now listening to the preaching of God's word. You'll go to a small group this week. Some of you will teach and harvest kids in second service. Uh, You'll be involved in other ministries. You'll have lots of interaction with one another. And all of that provides just this wonderful, fertile ground for us to open our mouths. All of it relates to talking. Every time we're together, it's just talk, 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 talk. And a lot of the time, it's not a good thing. So much opportunity to sin. The word here is stumble. Same same idea. We're talking about our walk with Christ. And when we stumble, we're not walking with Him. We're stumbling. It's sin. And we do that in so many ways. And we're going to get to a list of the many ways that we sin later. You're excited about that, I know. We'll get to yours, specific one, for sure. But for now, would you just agree with me that just having a mouth is a problem that we need to address? It is. It is. So further, let's get to this. Further, you have the potential to say great things. Now, by great things here, I don't mean great things as opposed to bad things, but really just great. The word in the text is used in terms of impactful things. You have a mouth and the potential within your words is very significant. It's huge. Your words matter, and they make a difference. Verse 2 again. For we all stumble in many ways, and if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle his whole body. If anyone does not stumble, doesn't sin in what he says, doesn't sin with his words, What we're setting up here is the ideal. This is the thing that we we want to be reaching for. We're reaching for holiness. We don't want to stumble anymore. We don't want to sin anymore. Or at least as we're living our life, we're stumbling less and less. The longer we go on with Christ, we're sinning less and less. We're reaching for holiness. We know we're not going to fully attain it in this life, and yet... We should be growing in it. I love what uh, Peter writes in 1 Peter 1, 15 and 16. But as he who called you is holy, uh, you also be holy in all your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy for I am holy. That's the Lord speaking to us. You should be holy. I'm holy. You want to follow me? You're going to name my name on yourself? You're going to be a Christ follower? Then then you need to be holy, even as God is holy. Jesus is the perfect embodiment of this holiness, and and we want to be like Jesus. And we want to be like Jesus. So for this Christ follower, back to our text, he's a perfect man, able also to bridle his whole body. Self-control, So. What I said off the top about navigating through all my own weaknesses, I just feel like this is a counseling session and you're the counselor and I'm the counselee right now, right? We're working through my issues. But self-control becomes the hallmark of this person. Self-control starting with this, I can control what I say. It's reflective of the life of Christ and who he is. And so having that, 
then having this evidence in the, in the Christ follower's life, then we have this ability to not only control what we say, but to control every other part of our bodies. If we can control the tongue, everything else becomes easier to control because this is the hardest thing we have to do. James goes on, he, he wants to give some illustrations of the incredible power of this small this small muscle called the tongue. Verse 3, check it out. If we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. And so I, I, know, um, I know nothing about horses. I have been on a horse. How many people have been on a horse? Wow, that's a lot of people. A lot of cowboys here. Um, how many people would say that you, you actually know what you're doing when you ride a horse? Just raise your hand. Okay, so forgive me if I get this wrong, um, all of you. But this, this is a... No, it's not a bridle. These are the people that don't know anything about horses, okay? This is the bit. And the bridle gets attached to this. I have this from a horse person. And, and the bit goes in... Can I get somebody up here with a big mouth to demonstrate this? With no volunteers? Jerry, don't point at my dad. That's awful. That's, that's your friend Jerry over there. Jerry, this is a message on taming your tongue, man. I know technically you only pointed, but I mean, it's the same deal. All right. Control, self-control. That's what we're talking about here. So this goes into the mouth and this metal bar just goes across the tongue at the back of the horse's mouth. And, and by that, the rider then is communicating with the horse and can direct that horse to go one way or another. So just a, I mean, it's just amazing when you think about it, just this small metal bar, that's it. This small piece of metal can control this large, self-determined beast. That's James's point. Then he goes on uh, to say, um, verse 4, I look at the ships also. We've got a picture of a ship behind me. Look at the ships also. Though they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are guided by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot directs. And, and you look at this. Now, that rudder doesn't seem small to us, relative to us, but relative to the ship, you know that on large ocean-going vessels, the, the ratio of the rudder to the surface area of the hull is just 1.5% of the hull. It's very small. One one-hundredth, approximately, of the size of the hull. That's the size of the rudder. And yet that rudder is able to direct the pilot uh, up, in, up in the uh, cabin is able to direct the movements of this very, very large ship. Wherever the will of the pilot directs then he just drives home his point in the first part of verse five so also the tongue is a small member compared to the rest of your body so small compared to the rest of your body like the rudder to the ship like the bit to the horse yet yet it boasts don't think of boast in the negative sense here but it it boasts it's it's it boasts of great things. It can boast positively and negatively do noteworthy, that's the word boastful, things. It can do massive things. Now, to this point, he's still not making a huge values statement on whether they are good things or bad things. They're just things. We're just saying the tongue is powerful relative to its size. You have the potential 
to say things that are such a blessing can encourage and esteem and affirm and build up people around you. And your tongue also has the power to destroy, to tear down, to be so destructive in the lives of others. And it's such a small part of our bodies. So far, we've locked down that we have mouths. Check. Check. And that the words we say have huge potential for high impact, for good and ill. Check. But the problem is that your tongue is a restless evil. That's what James calls it, among other things. The problem is that your tongue is a restless evil. So our predisposition, because of our sin nature, we are depraved people, is to say all the wrong things. And this is where James really begins to let loose. Again, partway through verse 5, then we pick it up. You can see that it's a new paragraph in the ESV. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. Again, small, big impact. But now he goes into this metaphor, this illustration of fire. Um, There's been a lot of forest fires. Some people say they're increasing. I want us to give us some kind of an idea of, of the huge impact from a very small fire a very small spark um, the mcclure barrier fire in british columbia back in 2003 was among the worst in canadian history uh, the flames were moving this happened uh, august 2003 flames were moving at 150 meters uh, per minute um, they said that it was moving so fast that at points uh, the flames were actually horizontal to the ground In other spots, as the flames went vertical, they were going as high as 150 meters in the air. That's the equivalent of about a 40-story office tower in Toronto. The temperatures uh, at the core of the fire were 1,000 degrees Celsius, essentially incinerating anything in their path, and it burned more than 26,000 hectares of land or 64,000 acres as near as I can figure, are roughly three times the size of the city of Barrie. It destroyed 73 homes, raised a sawmill, which was the area's primary employer, putting almost everybody out of work in those communities. It caused $8.2 million in damage, and it started by the careless disposal of a cigarette, which doesn't really have even any fire on it. It's just a burning ember. And it was crushed out, just not enough. One small spark created so much damage over such a wide area. And our words are like that. The image that James is creating here, we we, we see this picture and we see the rage of the fire. The scorched earth that's left behind. And that's the picture that James wants us to have in our minds as we think about the effect of our words. I want to ask you something. Based on verse 6, the first part, the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. How many of you would say, in the last 14, 15 days, last couple of weeks, You personally have been scorched by the words of another person. Just raise your hand, please. Just raise your hand and keep them up for a second. I want us to see 
There's a lot of people in here that have been hurt by the words of other people. Now, moment of honesty. Because authenticity and transparency and vulnerability are what we're going for in this uncommon community we call Harvest. How many of you would say in this moment of honesty, confessing before your brothers and sisters, you were the one in the last two weeks who did the scorching? Raise your hand. Okay? That's what James is going for. To have us understand it's a universal problem. We all have mouths. More often than not, we're going to hurt others with our words. The tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. He continues, the tongue is set among our members, part of our body, staining the whole body. It's high impact. It affects everything else in our life. Mess up with your mouth and, and you ought to feel remorse and shame just covering you like a, like a black cloth coming over you. You should feel the weight and burden of it over your entire body. It affects everything. Ultimately, if the pattern of our talk and therefore the entire course of our life is always evil and never coming under the control of the Spirit, if we never say anything affirming to our husband or wife, if, if it's always cutting words that are coming out, if we, if we just can't bless our children with our words, but, but we're always harsh with them, it's always angry, it's always a put down, it's never affirmation. If we can't say anything good at work, if it's always negative, then ultimately it's starting to reveal something about who we really are. It affects everything else, the entire course of life. Verse 6 says it is always evil. It is set on fire, James goes on, it is set on fire by hell. Revealing that the person really who has no control over this is in fact unable to have any claim at all on Christ. We're going to return to that thought toward the end. In verse 7. He employs yet another metaphor for every kind of beast and bird of reptile and sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by man. Verse 8, but no human being can tame the tongue. It's impossible. The restless evil, full of deadly poison. Don't you wish James were just clearer? Come on, James, tell us how you really feel. Just put it all out there. No one's confused by what he's saying here. Just kept stacking up his points, kept driving it home how evil it is and how much of an indication it is of who we really are. I think about all the different uh, places where we have a tendency to sin and, and in this day, we have social media to help us illustrate the point. And how awful even those who are professing followers of Christ can be to one another on social media. It's probably the most obvious place to see the destructiveness of our words today. When I think of Twitter and Facebook, blog posts, professing believers will take on other professing believers. They'll write 
with impunity, meaning that they are free from the unpleasant consequences of their words because of the anonymity of the web. Much of what we see online is what we're talking about here. One of our Harvest pastors, though, he's, he's a bit of a fighter. I'd like to have him up here to preach sometime. His name is Jamie Mitchell. He's in Lancaster, PA. And uh, this is a fairly new harvest, but it's been around for a long time, transitioned to become part of our fellowship. And, and Jamie's, like I say, he's kind of a fighter. And um, he doesn't really take anything from anyone. And uh, some guy started attacking him online because of some things Jamie had, had written about, um, about uh, the, um, what was the most recent uh, Son of God movie? You know the Son of God movie that Mark Burnett put out? And so Jamie was writing some pretty positive things about that, and, and he had his church all go. They rented a whole movie theater. They had to hold their church, invite people, and take them there and everything. This blogger started attacking him kind of behind a secret name. Only Jamie had a way of finding out who the guy was. And, and he called that guy's pastor. And that pastor, to his credit, took that guy out. And that guy wrote a letter of apology back to Pastor Jamie and recanted everything that he had said on his blog. It illustrates the point. We hide behind the anonymity of the web to say whatever we want, and we attack people without any fear of recrimination, unless you're attacking Pastor Jamie. He's coming for you. I just like to write this, rewrite this a little bit. And this is just one application of this, of course. I just wrote this. Social media is a fire, a world of unrighteousness, setting on fire the entire course of life and set on fire by hell. No human being can tame social media. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. True or false? True. Well, all that said, knowing the default, knowing the default destructiveness of our words... Nevertheless, you can bless more and curse less whenever you open your mouth. That's what we want to go for. I mean, if Jesus Christ, we've, we've come here today in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. We, we've sung passionately in his name and to him. We've declared him to be the Lord and Savior of our life. And, and if that's us, if, if Jesus is the Lord and Savior of our lives... And we have to know that he gave his life to cleanse us of our sin. He came to cleanse you of your sin and then to sanctify you, sending the Holy Spirit to us to indwell us, sanctifying us in an ongoing process of becoming more and more like him. And so in 9 through 12, through to the end of the chapter, we have this contrast that James is setting up. He's encouraging his readers to bless more and to curse less. Check it out, verse 9. With it, this tongue that is a restless evil full of deadly poison, with it, we bless our Lord and Father. We pray our prayers. We we come here, we worship. We read the scripture. We do all these things. With it, we, we bless our Lord and Savior. And with it, We curse people who are made in the likeness of God. Blessing and cursing. Verse 10, he just said, these things ought not to be so. 
from the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, if you're true brothers, if you truly belong to Christ, these things ought not to be so. It shouldn't play out in this way. Now, when I'm talking about cursing people, here's, here's the definition. It's to cause injury or harm to the spirit of a person. We often think about cursing as having some kind of supernatural divine power behind it. I, the pronouncing of a curse. But we do this with our words and we wound deeply. The little playground thing that we used to have when we were kids that sticks and stones may break my bones, but names will. That's a load of you know what. The sticks and the stones don't hurt us nearly as much as the words that cut and tear and destroy the spirit of a person. That's what we're talking about here. Causing injury or harm to a person deeply and in, inside of them. It says here that it's an offense against God himself as creator. It doesn't have to be that way. By the power of the Holy Spirit, you can control your tongue. You must. In fact, at a very basic level, when, when we're speaking this way, what we're seeking in, every, in everything that we would do with our tongues, all the sins, and I am getting to the list. Just be patient with me. We're going to be there. I know you're anxious for it. It's a power struggle. Do we understand that? That at the root of all of our sin issues with our words is a power struggle. We want to have an advantage over another person. We want to project something with our words to place ourselves in a better place than that person. We want to tear them down so that we can exalt ourselves. And ultimately, that's a power struggle with God. And if you're surrendered to the Holy Spirit... If he has control of your life, you're going to feel less of a need to exalt yourself over others and to tear them down with your words. Let's see what we're talking about here. You can control your tongue. You must. With our words, we curse. Here's the specifics. You tell me if you find, um, find yours on the list. Lying and deceit. Of all kinds, little white lies, cheating on your taxes, whatever it is, whatever your words are saying about you that are not true, gossip, just sharing information that's probably true information, it's just not yours to share. Breaking confidence, someone has told you something, you heard something in the context of your small group, and now you're taking that outside of that one-on-one conversation or that small group uh, conversation or that breakout talk that happened breaking confidence slandering and maligning could be truthful not truthful but you're using information to tear the other person down to impugn their reputation a bragging and boasting hashtag i'm awesome hashtag look what i did so much bragging on social media it's craziness Coarse joking, vulgarity, profanity and swearing, belligerence, antagonism, expressing anger with our words, flattery. I compliment you not because I'm actually that impressed with you, but because I think it'll give me an advantage. 
divisiveness, words that, that separate, divide people. Whining. Every parent's favorite one to rant on. Don't like whining. And adults whine. And they complain. Belittling. Demeaning. Insults. Harshness. Cutting sarcasm. Dominating. You're just talking too much. Up already. Just it's too much. Blasphemy against the Lord, carelessness with our words, rash vows, making promises that you don't keep. Did I get yours? Did I get yours? Yeah? Should I go over it again? No, you got it the first time? We're good? So less of that. Less of that, can we be agreed? Less of that list. No more cursing of, of people. We're striving for something awesome here. With the tongue, we curse people. We want less of that and more of it. With it, we, we bless our Lord and Father by how we speak to Him and how we speak to others. And what you're going to notice here is there a very vertical component and a very horizontal component to what we'll see in a few moments. We want to be, we want to, actually, I want you to think of it this way. Let's get that meter up there for a second. I, this is your week now. We're going to have a meter. We're going to attach it to all of you. I wish we had like an iPhone app that this would actually work. We could just hold it up while we're talking and it could be like, no, this is a curse. Da, 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 and it moves up. It can move up, right? Okay, that's, that's better. It's not great still. Still in the red zone. A little bit better. Blessing. And then, wouldn't you love to have that app? to be a great app just to listen to our words as we speak and um what we want to be doing is we want to get that arrow over there and i understand that it's going to be absolutely almost impossible for us to live perfectly and have totally holy lives but this is what we're striving for is the needles there but maybe it's maybe it's back a little maybe it's there maybe that's what describes you right now maybe it's back a little further you got some work to do try and move that Meter forward, don't you think about that meter now, monitoring every word you speak for the next seven days. See how much blessing, how much cursing is really there. We want to be, as verse 2 said, a perfect man, uh, able to bridle his whole body. It's going to start with this. You say, well, I, I'm not sure. I'd like the app because I'm not sure what's coming out of my mouth is really helpful. And I, I have a perfect way exclusive of the app to find that out ask the people you're talking to ask them now listen if you're going to ask somebody you got to be ready to listen to the answer and not be defensive is the, is the way that i speak to you is it, is it harsh are you hearing in what I'm saying? Any, is there any deceit in that? Or is that a totally truthful statement? Uh, am, I, am I communicating anger to you right now? Did I insult you in some way? I mean, ask the question. And then once you've asked the question, really, if you need to physically just grip your lips <laughs> so that you'll listen to what's being said, then not come back with some defensive, well, you know, I only meant to, it's just like, would you forgive me for that? And listen, if you're the one being asked to make the evaluation, grace for one another, correct? For we all stumble 
in many ways. Say it with me. For we all stumble in many ways. So, lots of grace for one another. Amen? Lots of forgiveness for one another. We're all just trying to help each other to the finish line. Amen? That's what we're trying to do here. And so we want to want to be moving that needle up as best we can. And um, let's look at this slide now. With our words, we bless. Here's some suggestions for this. These are all words that we can speak, starting with our profession of faith in Christ. I am a true follower of Jesus Christ. I have confidence in my, in my declaration that I intend to follow him. I read the scripture aloud. Paul said to Timothy, give attention to the public reading of the scriptures. There's something awesome about hearing the scriptures read aloud. And I love what our worship team did with us this morning to do that. The preaching and teaching of the gospel, of the word of God. These are all words that bless people, that that pour out good things, that move the needle on that meter. Prayers of all kinds with and for others. That I would speak prayers on your behalf. That you would pray on my behalf. But then that we would pray for one another. That's going to happen up here at the front following the service. It's going to happen in the lobby and down the hall. It happens every Sunday where where you just stop and pray for one another. And we ought to be doing that more and more. The praise and worship of Christ we've done here today. Gratitude to God. And then more horizontally great to express gratitude to other people don't you think just thank you for what you did for me just it's not it really cost us a lot where we could witness of what christ has done for us and and in us i want to say that most of those things are all pretty vertical and and the next bunch are going to be a little bit more horizontal but if you have trouble of getting your words right trouble with your words i'm just going to tell you get the first part right get your worship of god right and when you do that i believe the latter part is going to start changing naturally cursing people with your words is in fact a sure sign that you and god aren't really that close did you hear that cursing people with your words is a sure sign that you and God are not really that close. So get close to him. Humor. Inquiry. How are you? And then stopping to listen how they are. Greetings and well-wishing. Truth-telling. We're supposed to speak the truth in love to one another. Sometimes it's it's an evil thing to withhold truth from people. We ought to be telling people the truth. Enveloped in grace always, exhortation, encouragement, affirmation. You're good at that. I'm proud of you. Way to go. I love what I see happening in your life. Affirm people for the progress they're making. And affection, of course. People need to hear you say, I love you. A lot of men don't do this. And I I love the fact that if this isn't happening in your marriage, okay, get that fixed soon. If you're not saying it to your kids, get that fixed really soon. But I, but I love that we can say it to one another as brothers and sisters in Christ. And I love that almost any conversation I have with other lead pastors that I'm in relationship with, whether it's in a text or whether it's in email, that often those are ending with, a, hey, brother, I love you. I love what God's doing in your life. And there's so much affirming and blessing among my 
peer group of other lead pastors. And, and we ought to be doing that for one another, especially in those closer, more intimate relationships, like in your small group. It's a good thing for a man to look another man in the eye in that friendship, in that accountability relationship, and to affirm these things to one another. This is the thing that defines who we are as the followers of Jesus Christ, that we would have love for one another. If you don't have enough of all of that going on, if the needle on your meter is pushing left, then there are some changes that need to be made. It starts with repentance before the Lord and getting some things straight. Bless more, curse less whenever, whenever you open your mouth. Well, in the final verses, we see that so much is on the line because you can't have, check this out now, you can't have fresh and salt water coming from the same source. Does this, you answer the questions. They're rhetorical questions. You're not supposed to answer them. The answer is supposed to be obvious, but you answer them, okay? We'll just have some fun with this. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening both fresh and salt water? No, it does not. Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives? Or a grapevine produce figs? Then he gives the answer. Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. It's just, it, there's an inconsistency here. The professing believer, if you say that you're actually a follower of Jesus Christ, but your words do not match your profession, then you have no legitimate claim on Christ. The words that you speak, they are the dividing line. The defining indication of whether or not your heart is truly for the Lord, whether or not you're truly saved. We'll give the final words here to Jesus. He said in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 12, the tree is known by its fruit. James probably kind of pulled this, what he said, out of Jesus' words. The tree is known by its fruit, for out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. That's the part you need to underline, right? Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. On the day of judgment, people will give account for every careless word they speak. For by your words, you will be justified, and by your words, you will be condemned. Produce the right fruit. Let blessing flow from all of our mouths, and we will affirm the legitimacy of our claim on Christ, of our faith in him. So back to James's words, if you're a true follower of Jesus Christ, you ought not to sin with your words. These things ought not to be. Let's pray. Our God and Father, thank you for... Um, Thank you for your patience with us. Uh, we are a stubborn people. And uh, Father, we have, as you know, um, a sin nature that predisposes us to injuring and hurting one another. God, we would desire, at least I would pray on behalf of those who are true followers of Christ here. God, our desire would be that these things would not be so in our lives. God, that we would, even in this moment, for those, God, who can clearly identify some of these sin issues in their life, God, I just would give us a moment in this quiet 
to confess that before you, to repent of it, and to make the determination to make the changes that are necessary to ensure that it's blessing that flows from us, to move the needle on the meter. Take a moment now just to confess those things before the Lord. Still with your heads bowed and your eyes closed, would you just raise your hand and just say, I've confessed something before the Lord right now. Just raise your hand and keep it up for a moment. I, I've taken something to the Lord. Your eyes are still closed. This is just... Praise the Lord. We're taking this seriously. Thank you, Lord, for these who have indicated that they've brought something to you and confessed their sin before you. God, I pray that you would cleanse them again by the blood of Jesus Christ. Forgive them. Forgive us all, God, for the sins that we've committed. Help us to have patience and forgiveness for one another. God, where this is a problem in some marriages, God, I begin that today, uh, God, I would pray that today would begin the healing. Where there are children who have been crushed under the weight of harsh words and angry words who have received no affirmation, God, I pray that the healing would begin today. Father, do what, what we need you to do. Move through this room, move through the hearts of every person. God, give us a determination as we speak to one another in small groups, as we stand in front of congregations and as we stand before one another. God, that we would be determined to bless more and curse one another less. Father, that there would be a very real sense of your Holy Spirit turning us into the uncommon community that we so desire to be. Thank you, Father, for hearing this prayer. It's heartfelt. Do a deep and powerful work in each one of our lives, I pray in Christ's name. Amen. Thanks so much for listening. We pray that today's message was encouraging and challenging. For more info about Harvest Bible Chapel, check us out online at harvestberry.ca. Thanks again, and remember, you are loved.